It's a world of, of augmented reality. It, it sort of makes sense, but there are elements of it that, that really that, that don't make sense. Right? Augmented reality. I want to I I do something real quick. I want to uh, see if the tech guys can let me have control of the screens. Can we do that? Yeah, there we go. Okay, so now you can still see me because I, I have this thing right here. And uh, I want to come over here. I want to I talk, talk to some friends of mine. So I'm going to come over here. Jim, how are you this morning? Fine. You're doing good? This is, uh, guys, this is, this, is, this is Jim Norman, okay? And here, here's what I want you to see. Okay, Jim, if I hold this thing right here, see, now what I can do is this, is I can, I can have... <laughs> I look better. It's, it's, it's augmented reality. Here's my, here's... Um, Wait, here, Beatty. Beatty, you're laughing at him. But look, I can do the same thing to you. <laughs> Beatty, you need to look up the screen up there. Look, look. Now stick your tongue out. There we go. <laughs> you didn't know you married a dog, did you? No, I didn't. It's, it's augmented reality, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. Okay? And, and we really, we don't know fully what's going on. That's kind of a, that's kind of a frightening thing, isn't it? They exchange the truth of God for a lie, and, and we wonder what is truth, and we wonder what is fiction. And what happens is this, is we, we buy into this. We buy into these, these misperceptions, and we buy into these distortions. And we live a life not that God intended for us, right? God, God makes this declaration. Prophet Jeremiah proclaim this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You see, God is a rewarder. And when God created man, God created man out of a desire for relationship. But what happens is this, is when we live with this, this distorted understanding, it skews everything. It even skews the way that we look at the Bible. You know, there are a lot of people that look at the Bible and they think it's a very harsh book. They think it's a bunch of rules and regulations, right? All the things that you're not supposed to do. Take, for example, the law. If you look at the law and you look at it in a vacuum and you look at it from a skewed perspective, you can look at the law and go, the law is very harsh and it's, 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 it's very rigid and, and, and it's very unkind to certain people groups. And yet, when you look at the law, when what God gave to Moses, if you compare what God gave to Moses to what was the standard of that day, and understand when God gave the law, God gave the law to Israel for that time period. When God gave the law, comparing the, the, the law that you find in your Bible compared to what people were living in that day, the Bible was very gracious and, and, and in fact, extremely liberal in what it did. Allowing women the opportunity to actually speak don't, ladies, please don't email me. I, I'm not saying women shouldn't speak. I'm saying in that time period, women were treated like property. And God's Word said, no, you can't have that. And if you look progressively, the plan of God went further and further and further. In fact, when Jesus speaks about divorce, and He says, listen, unless, unless you have these valid reasons, you should not get divorced. What He was talking about is in Jesus' day, if a man wanted to divorce a woman, all he had to do is in a public setting say, I divorce you three times, and the woman was divorced and she had no recourse. And Jesus' statement on divorce is actually saying to men, you've got to treat women better. 
Understand this, God's Word says that we are to operate in mutual submission to one another. And yet, here's what happens. People will take and they'll distort the plan of God, they'll distort the Word of God, and they'll distort the promises of God. And we look at things and we think all the stuff that we see is an issue of God's wrath. Noah and the flood, right? The fact that God destroyed the earth by flood We can go, well, that's the harsh judgment of God. And yet when you understand God's ultimate plan for us to have relationship with him, what God did, if you you look at the command that God gave to, the, the command that God gave to Adam, and then after the flood, the command that God gave to Noah, it's the same command, right? Take authority over the earth, go be fruitful and multiply. God's heart for man, even though man stepped headlong into sin, God's desire for man so much that man would understand and walk in healthy relationship, that God said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reset. We're going to try over again. Why? Because God loves you and God cares about you. Make no mistake, God loves you and he cares about you. But when we, when we, when we get stuck in this whole issue of of identity confusion and, 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 and purpose frustration. It, it can take us down a, a, a really unhealthy way. How do we get there? I, I want to talk about how we, how we get to that unhealthy place, and then I want to talk about a prescription. I want to talk about some solutions. So I, want, I told you I, we were going to look at three scriptures this morning, Romans chapter 1. Now what I want you to do is I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2. So in your Bible, your Bible separated between Old Testament and New Testament. So in the New Testament, you'll find the New Testament starts a little more than halfway through the book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you get into some letters that were written, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. You get back through a little ways, and you're going to find this book called Colossians. So it's, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and, and really to the body of Christ at large. It's, it's some principles that God impressed upon Paul to write to the people of that day and to us today. And here's what it tells us. It tells us in Colossians chapter 2. It tells us, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And this is the life that God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life that's rooted in Him and that's built up in Him. But what happens is this, is we get, we get sidetracked, don't we? You know, we learn, most of us learned at some level when we were children, we learned about the reality of who God is, right? A lot of us in the room, we grew up with, with songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. And, and, and we learn these things, and, and we understand them, and, and we embrace them, but but then life happens, right? And, and we, get, we get sucked into this. We get sucked into that. One of the things that, that so easily can trip up is, is the, this deceptive philosophy that comes along. You, you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that the world is full of so-called experts, right? 
The world is full of so-called experts. Uh, a number of years ago, I was serving as a student ministries pastor, as a youth pastor in a church, and, and, and one, of the, one of the families that had students in our youth ministry, the, the husband and wife were facing some struggles. And, and, and the, the, the wife mentioned, uh, I was there at their home and talking to them, and the wife mentioned, she said, I want you to know we've got somebody that we've, uh, we've hired a professional to help us in our marriage struggles, and listen, this guy is an expert. He's been married four times. <laughs> and and I, I, rem- I remember thinking, what is he an expert in? You know, here's the, here's the, here's the tragic truth to that story. That so-called expert hasn't just been married four times now, he's been married five times because he convinced that woman to di- divorce her husband and marry him. Their, more, their marriage lasted less than a year, right? But, but he had all this wonderful concept and, and all this uh, sweet-sounding philosophy. But here's what, here's what God's Word says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Philosophy that depends on human tradition um, and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. In the natural, there are some aspects of being a Christ follower that in our limited human understanding don't make sense. And yet, what you'll find is this. You'll find that the plan that God has for you, not not the plan some church has for you, not the plan some religion has for you, not not the plan that some uh, preacher has for you, but, but the plan of this book the, the plan that God has for you, it, it works. See, the Word of God tells us that there, there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. And God's ways are, are not as man's ways. But God's principles, they absolutely work. Let me, let me, give, you an, let me get, give you an example. You will get a lot more done in six, way, six days' work than you will in seven days' work. God designed you. He, he hardwired you to have pauses in your life, to have margin in your life. But one of the things, if you spend much time around here, one of the things that you'll hear me talk about a lot is this, is, and, and, and that is that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You know why? Because fatigue makes cowards out of us. I don't know if that's true in your life. I can tell you it's certainly true in my life. That, that, when, I'm, that I'm well, when I'm well rested, I, I have better understanding. When I'm well rested, I have right perspective. When I'm well rested, I, I have more courage. But when I become fatigued, and so what does the devil try to do? If he can't make me bad, he'll make me busy. And he'll throw all kinds of opportunity and all kinds of obligation. In fact, can I tell you, one of the biggest days that you'll have opportunity thrown at you is on Sunday. Why? Because the enemy of your faith wants to keep you from gathering together with other believers in worship, praise, adoration, and instruction in God. And so we, we 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 get sucked into the ways of the world. And one of the biggies is this issue of deceptive philosophy. And there are all kinds of folks who would like to tell you all kinds of things. Well, let, me, 
Let me be, for a moment, I guess, let me be one of those. Do you know that in all of the archaeological finds that have happened, there, have, there has never been an archaeological find that has disproven this book? There has never been a scientific discovery that goes against this book. Never. Not one. There's, there's never been anything in history that has disproven this book. It is the most scrutinized book in, in, in all of history, and yet it still stands true. It still stands true. Why? Here's the reason. Because it is the living, breathing Word of God. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to grasp that, and I want you to, to understand that. I, I, listen. I know your drunk uncle or your, you know, your, 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 you know, your neighbor who thinks that they're really, really smart, that, that they love to talk to you about religion and philosophy, and, and they will like to talk to you about the Masoretic text versus the Q text versus all. I appreciate that. Bottom line, bottom line is God's principles stand true. They stand true. And so, be careful that no one is able to pull you aside through deceptive philosophy. We get caught up in these, in these deceptive philosophies, and then we also get caught up in these, in these frustrating failures, right? Here's what it says in verse 13 in Colossians chapter 2. It says, when you were dead in your sins, your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. One of the things that oftentimes will get us stuck are the frustrations and the failures of our past. I, I want to I I make a confession to you this morning, and this might come as a surprise to you, but I am an imperfect person. I, I know, I know, I know. You come and you see me standing up here, and I know I, know I look good. That's just because my wife makes me dress up on Sundays, right? My hair is well combed, and I, 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 I shaved. I even brushed my teeth before I came today. Anybody else? Yeah, for those, listen, if the person sitting next to you didn't just raise their hand right now, offer them an Altoid, offer them something, right? But I'm, I'm this less than perfect being. In, in fact, I, I fail daily. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do. People have, this, people have this misperception about Christians. They think that either we're perfect or that we think we're perfect. Both are wildly untrue, okay? Uh, we don't think that we're perfect. I want you to know that you, I mentioned this earlier, but I want you to know that you've joined a bunch of imperfect people today. Uh, uh, really, you, 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 you're in a room with a bunch of sinners. In fact, ladies, watch your purse. And... Uh, we, we gather together, we're imperfect, and we, we don't pretend to be perfect, but what we are is we're imperfect people that we have discovered that life works a whole lot better when we connect with this perfect God, right? But here's, 
here's what Satan loves to do. The enemy of your faith and the enemy of the life that God intends for you, what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to be defined by your failures. He wants you to be defined by your defeats. He wants you to be defined by your frustrations. He wants you to be defined by the hurdles that you have in life. In fact, we live in a day, we live in an age, we live in a culture where we have all of these labels, right? I am bipolar. I am, I've got, I've got RLS, DLS, MLS. No, MLS, that's, that's, real, that's realty. That's not… Um, if you've got MLS, um, you know, I, I hope sales are going well. Anyway, uh, but, but, you know, there, there's all these different syndromes, right, and all these different labels. And, 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 and hear my heart, I'm not trying to minimize the hurdles that we face in life, because, because I, I stand before you, and, and those hurdles are, are reality in my life. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, on some levels, I'm very grateful that I grew up in a different time than today. Because here's what I know. I think that if I grew up in today's culture, the way that I was as a child, I think I would be so medicated right now that I would be numb. Because ADHD, I, I was, look, I, I mean, that was, that was, welcome to my world, right? And what they want to do is they, they want to put these, want to put these labels on us and, and tell us what's wrong with us. Let me tell you what's right with you. You, want, you might want to write this down. Let me tell you what's right with you. You are an overcoming child of God. You are more than a conqueror. You are blessed and highly favored. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. But it's so easy, listen, it's so easy to get caught up in deceptive philosophies or, or allow ourselves to be identified by the areas in our life that, that are less than perfect. And if that's not enough, we have these people in our life, right? We have these people in our life. There, there are some people in your life that, that they are they could be named Barnabas, right? Barnabas is a character in the Bible, and Barnabas' name, it means son of encouragement. And then there are other people in life uh, that they, they could be named Barabbas. Uh, and Barabbas was a, a, a criminal in, in, in Scripture, right? We, we have, we have these, these people that, that want to that be critical of everything that we do and everything that we are. Can I tell you, I, I, I will face that. I will, I will regularly have people say to me, really? You're a pastor? You're, you're a pastor and you're wearing shorts in public? I, I didn't know that wearing shorts in public was a crime. Okay? Or have, have any of you ever heard this? And you call yourself a Christian, right? That, that's always one of, those, one of those challenging things. So let me tell you what I, what I did yesterday. So, it, Jody and I had reached that time. It was, it was time to replace a vehicle. And so, um, so we went uh, to replace uh, Jody's car yesterday. 
and, and we're, we're there and we're negotiating price. And, and one of the things that I'm consciously aware of is I'm consciously aware of the fact that when I walk in, they know that I'm a Christian. More than that, they know, because one of the first things that they do is they ask you, you know, what, what, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm, I'm the lead pastor at, at, at Calvary Assembly. Oh, 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 okay. You know, and, and, then they, and then they say, okay, here's how much the car's going to be. And you go, yeah, but I don't want to pay that. But, but how do I communicate to this guy that I don't want to pay that? And his response not be, and you call yourself a Christian. Can I tell you, at one point in the conversation yesterday, here's what the gentleman said to me. He goes, it seems like you're carrying a burden with this. He did. He said that to me. He goes, he goes it, it seems like you're carrying a burden with this. And I said, I am because I don't want you to think I'm a bad person. But at the same time, I have to reconcile the fact that this is God's money that I'm spending. And I just, I'm struggling with it. And he goes, you're not a bad guy. In fact, at the end, let me tell you what happens. At the end of all this, this is how you know you've had a successful car buying experience. At the, when all was said and done, here's what the gentleman said to me. He said, you know, he said, I don't have a problem with God, but I've had a problem with the church. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. I don't know if there's anybody in your life that makes that statement. Maybe you're a person here that you've had that experience, or maybe you're watching today uh, via live stream, and, and that's your world, right? And, and here's, here's what the gentleman said to me. He said, but I, I think I've got to come check out your church. I am… Um, I know this. I know that there are people in life that they're going to be, they're going to be critical of what I do. I, as, as a pastor, I face it regularly. In fact, I, um, here's what happens. So when there are presidential elections, I'll have half of the people in the church come up to me and go, how come you don't say more about candidate A? And the other half of the people will come up and say, how come you don't say more about candidate B? Right? And, uh, and I, I've, I've discovered uh, that it's real easy to have everyone be a critic about just about anything that you do. And, and, and Paul's, look, look what he says in, in Colossians 2.16. He says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or, or a Sabbath day. Listen, those critical judgmental people in your life, they are not a gift from God to you. In fact, they, they might be a, a messenger of somebody else. I'm just saying, right? Don't, okay, don't go to your moody, judgmental neighbor this afternoon and say, get thee behind me, Satan, unless God really tells you. But it's, it's easy, listen, it's easy for us to be confused about who we are when, when we have all these crazy philosophies swirling around us, when, when we have these people that want to that wanna brand us and identify us by the failures in our life and, and the areas where we're uh, short of perfect, the, 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 the people in our life that, that want to speak negativity over us or legalism over us. And then there's… Then there are the rules that, that people and in, in, in institutions want to speak over us. But look, look what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 2. He says, since you died to Christ, since, you, since, since in Christ you died to the basic principles of this world, why 
as though you still belong to, to it, do you want to submit to all these rules and regulations? You see, the, God, the life that God has for you, the life God plans for you, it's not a life about rules and regulations. In fact, following rules and regulations doesn't get you any closer to God. Here's, here's what God's Word says. Are you ready? It says this, that while we were imperfect, that God loves us and provides a path to deal with our imperfection. It goes on to say this. This is what God's Word says. It says, for the wages of sin or the imperfection in our life, for the wages of sin is death. And, and not, 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 not the physical death, but, but spiritual death. Okay, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, notice it doesn't say, but you if, you, if you really work hard. No, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. How does that happen? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Elsewhere in the Bible, in, 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 in this book, Ephesians, it says this. It says that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. That it is the free gift of God. And, and here's what happens. We come to God just as we are. And He accepts us just as we are. Now, most of the time, if, if you've had a church experience, you've probably heard that at some point, right? Maybe you even came to church and maybe you even walked forward to the front, what we call the altar, Maybe you even walked forward and came to the altar while the people were singing a song that says, just as I am. And, and, and you, you learned about coming to Jesus just as you are. But then right afterwards, everyone expected you to be different. You see, God accepts you just as you are when you come and enter into relationship with Him. Once you're in relationship with Him, God still accepts you just as you are. His posture towards you doesn't change. And all these, all these rules and, and regulations that, that people will want to throw at you and even institutions will want to throw at you, it's, it's, it's contrary to the Word of God. In fact, here's, here's what God's Word tells us. It tells us this that these, these rules and regulations that we find in the Old Testament, that the big reason why those rules were given was to help us to understand that on our own we can't achieve perfection. And, and to understand the importance, the need, the dependence that we have on God's gift of His Son. You see, you're an imperfect person. God wants you to have a perfect eternity. But how can we do that? If, if you're imperfect, I'm imperfect. If we're imperfect and God wants us to have a, a perfect eternity, well, something has to be done about that imperfection. Here's what God has done. It is the, it is the ultimate gift 
So God became human in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the event that we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Jesus was all man, 100% man. He lives a sinless life. And yet, he suffers and dies on the cross. He pays the price for sin he did not commit. And in so doing, he is able to be the price paid for your sin. Jesus literally paid the price for all of your faults and failures, for every sin that you have committed, for every sin that you will commit. And God says, I make the gift that Jesus provided for in going to the cross, I make that gift available to you. Here's what you have to do. You have to, uh, you have to accept it and receive it, right? And, and here's, what the, here's, here's what God's Word says. It says this, that if we confess our sins, our need for God, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what He gives. And that's truth. And, and that, that's God's plan for us. So, so how do I do that? How do I, how do I, how do I live in that? Well, I, I mentioned we were going to look at three Scriptures today. We looked at Romans chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2. And now I want to go to, to one more portion of Scripture. It's just a, a little bit farther back in your book. And it's, it's in 1 Peter. It's all, almost all the way back to the back, okay? Um, if, you get, if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far, okay? But the last book in your Bible is Revel- Revelation. Just before Revelation, there are these three real small books uh, called 1 John, um, um, and um, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Um, and, then, and then just before that, you're going you're gonna to get into uh, uh, Peter, okay? 1 Peter and 2 Peter. So 1 Peter chapter 3. And, and, and here's, what, here's what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. And uh, I'm going to read a, a little portion of this, okay? And, uh, and, and then I, I want to I focus in on uh, two, two verses. But starting in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 3, it says this, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another, Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, uh, because rather to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, let me offer this as a side note. At Calvary, this is who we try to be. This is who we endeavor to be. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For 
God's Word says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from, from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Instead, do this. And here are the two verses that I want to focus on. But in your hearts, set set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Do this out of gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Four things that I see real quickly from from 1 Peter 3 that talk to us about how to deal with these spiritual identity thieves. Just a reminder, the spiritual identity thieves, these worldly philosophies, right, That, that try to give you an illusion of wisdom, but they're far from it. The, the attempt by the enemy to keep us stuck in our failures that God has already taken victory over. People that want to speak negativity over us and judgmental, uh, ju- judgmentalism over us. And these rules that folks try to put on us. Right? That, that's what tends to rob us of our identity. This worldly philosophy, our past failures people that want to speak negatively into our lives and people that want to put the, push these rules and regulations on us. What's a godly response to that? Well, it starts with making Jesus our focus. That's what it says there in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. You know what I've discovered I've discovered this. I've been, um, I've been living my life as a Christian for, um, for my, my entire adult life. I actually, I became a Christ follower when I was 15 years old. So I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm 51 today. Uh, well, I'm 51 years old. I, I'm not, today's not my birthday yet. I'm 51. So I just didn't want you thinking it was my birthday and you feeling bad that you didn't bring me a present. But in case you're wondering, it's October 21st. Anyway, um, the, uh, and, and I, I've, been studying this, I've been studying this book a long time. I actually set out to prove it wrong, and I failed miserably at proving it wrong. And, uh, but even after all these years, I still discover more and more about this book. Every day I discover something new. It's just, it's that, it's, 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 it's that, it's that powerful. There's that, there's that much in here. Uh, and, uh, And I also know this. I know that God continues to work on me. I'm not the person that I was last week. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm growing. I'm, I'm maturing. I'm, I'm, I'm growing in my understanding of who God is, and I'm growing in my relationship with Him. And, and I'm, gl- I'm glad that, that God takes me on this, on, this progressive, on this progressive journey. But, but I've, I've discovered that even though I don't know everything about God, that life works when I put Him first. When, when I have this ongoing engagement with God in my life, let, let me use this term, 
relationship, when I have a relationship with God. Now, some of you are here, and, 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 and you've, you've yet to enter into a, a relationship with God, and, and, or, or maybe, maybe you did at one point, but you've kind of drifted away from that. And one of the things that trips you up is you go, but I don't know about, but I don't know about, but I don't know about, but I don't know about. Can I, can I offer you a suggestion as it relates to that? I, uh, I put this ring on my finger 32 years ago. Well, not this ring. I, I lost the first one. Um, and um, and, and, and I, I still I don't have the second one either. Um, but I put a ring on my finger. I was, I was 19 years old. Jody was 18 years old. We had no idea what we were getting into. But on some level, we knew that, right? Anybody else, can you relate to that? You got married and you, you, you didn't know everything about your husband. You didn't know everything about your wife, okay? But you knew enough to know, I, I need this in my life, okay? Do you want to know why I got married so young? I got married so young because I was convinced that I needed to put a ring on Jody's finger before somebody else did, right? I didn't, know, I didn't know everything about her, but I knew enough to know that that's the woman that I want to spend, spend my life with. And for the last 32 years, we've been learning more and more and more about each other. And can I tell you this? There's never been a moment where I've said, oh, wow, didn't see that one coming. Here, you know what? Let's do this. Just, 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 I can't get it off. <laughs> it's been that same way for me in my journey with God in, in this relationship that God has made available to me through Jesus Christ. I, I, at, at 15 years of age, I, I didn't know everything. In fact, here was the conversation that I had with God. I was, I was, uh, and those of you that have been around, you've heard this story, but um, I was very far, very far away from God, any understanding of God, any relationship with God as a teenager, I, I was a, I was just, you would not have wanted me as your neighbor. And uh, I was on my way home from football practice, um, and we had practiced late to where we could practice under the lights for our, for our, for our Friday night football game. It was the first day of school, my junior year in high school. And I was, I was riding, a, I was riding my bike home. I was hit by a drunk driver and uh, ended up uh, he stopped, talked to me for, for a moment, said, hey, I need to move my car. I got in his car and drove off. I'd laid there for a while. Finally, I convinced some people that were up on this porch talking about me but didn't come out to check on me. I, 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 I said some words to them that I won't repeat today, and I said, could you at least call an ambulance? Just, just, you know, leave me out here in the rain, why don't you? So they never come out and checked on me, but finally an ambulance showed up and a squad car showed up and, and uh, took me to the hospital, broken legs, internal injuries. And as, and as I'm laying there, God speaks to me. Now, it's not an audible voice, but there's no doubt in my mind that it's God. And here's what God says to me. He said, Ed, it could have been more than your leg. It could have been your life. And where would you spend eternity? Here's my commitment to God. I think you're going to be real impressed by how, how spiritual this is. You'll go, I know why that guy's a pastor now. Here's what I said. Okay, God. Fine. Here's what I'll do. I will pray read my Bible and go to church. But you got 90 days. And if you can't fix my life in 90 days, I don't want anything to do with you. 
Because up to this point, you've done a pretty poor job. I didn't say poor. I used a different word, but I'm not going to use that word because we're in church. God, you've done a pretty poor job with my life up to this point. And so what I, what I thought that I was getting into was don't smoke, don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, don't hang around with those that do. You know, I thought those were the things that I was supposed to do. But what I've discovered in this journey is that, is that God has so much more. So much more. And that he's not about the rules and regulations. That he's about this relationship. And even though I might have been pa- even real passionate in my commitment, you know, I, I, I put God on a timeline to prove himself. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going into a marriage relationship going, okay, I'll marry you, 90-day trial. That's kind of what I did with God. I don't think it's theologically a good approach. But I wasn't theologically in a good place, right? And, and, and God didn't care that I was theologically correct. He just loved me. Saw that my life was a mess. Saw that I was going nowhere fast. I was a teenager that was drunk more than I was sober. Two days before that accident, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was standing on the, on the roof of a McDonald's throwing green tomatoes at cars. I told you I wasn't a good person. I don't do that anymore. It's been weeks. You know, after I made that commitment there in Mercy Hospital in Davenport, Iowa, I still had lots of questions. But the questions were a lot easier once I said, okay, God, I want you to be a part of my life. Right? Because now I'm doing it in relationship with God. And I'm, t- I'm more tender to His voice. So, so it starts, this, this, this way to have healthy identity, the identity that God intends for you, that overcoming, victorious child of God, that identity starts with, with, with making, making Jesus my focus, putting Him in the center of my life. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And, 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 then, and then what we do is we build on that, by, by maintaining a godly perspective. See, First Peter says this, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There are lots of theological questions, even after years of serving God, even after, after years of studying, even after years of pastoring. There are theological questions that people can come up and they can ask me and I don't have an answer for Okay, well, let, me, let, me, let me give one to you. How many, ansel, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? Anybody know? I can help you. Angels don't dance. Right? It's, 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 it, because, because Christians don't dance. We don't go to movies either. So, we, okay. Confession is good for the soul. Um, I, I go to movies. I'm, I'm, I'm careful about where I go to. I go to movies. I still don't dance. You know I don't dance? I have no rhythm. 
But there are, there are all kinds of theological questions like that I, I don't have the answer to. But what I, here's, here's what I do know, right? And, and here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says you don't have to be able to fully explain transubstantiation. Okay? You don't, you don't have to debate the nuances of Trinitarianism. It says, always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do you want to, want, you want to know why I have hope? And the writer of Hebrews says this. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And I have this hope in my life that serves as an anchor. Do you know why I have hope? Here's why I have hope. Because as a messed up 15-year-old, I gave my life to God. And he turned my life around. And, 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 and there, has, there hasn't been one principle that I've, that I've lived by in this book that hasn't worked. I mentioned earlier the principle of the Sabbath. You know what? It works. It's, it's amazing to me that I can get more done in six days than I can get in seven days. The, that, that, that thing, let no unkind word come out of your mouth, man, that's powerful. Let me even say this. People struggle because they think all the church cares about is money. I follow what God's Word says about this issue about what to give to God. And I, I never cease to be amazed at how, how God takes care of me and supernaturally provides for my needs. It, it works. And, and there, there are part of, parts of it that I still don't understand, but I understand enough that when, I, when, I'm, when I'm faced with an opportunity or with an obstacle, I, I try to look at it from a God perspective. God, what, is, what does your word say about this? I think the third thing that we need to do is this, is we need to do this, have Jesus be our focus and, and maintain a godly perspective while having a degree of humility in our life. That's what it goes on to say in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, do all this with gentleness and respect. I think it's easy to get tripped up by pride. Even, even being proud of being a Christian. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know what you are? You are a sinner that God has provided the path for you to be set free from the penalty of that sin. Okay? So the person that can boast in that situation is God, not you. And then the last thing is this, is I've got to manage my testimony. The, 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 the first three statements that I made there, make Jesus your focus, have a godly perspective, do it in humility. And the last thing is, number four, is manage your testimony. That comes out of the next verse. It says this, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously about your good behavior in, in, in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Here's the way the Bible puts it. It says, live your life in such a way that if people want to say something bad about you, they have to make it up. Right? And I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. But if we make Jesus the center, and then look at life, once we do that, look at life through a God lens, and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to, 
God, I'm going to let you be the guide in my life, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to attempt to live my life in such a way that, um, God, that I don't do anything that discredits me and that I don't do anything that discredits you. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find this, that life works. Now, you might be here and you tried church and church didn't work for you. You're not alone. There are a lot of people in this room and a lot of people that are watching via live stream right now that they tried church and it didn't work. Now, maybe you can relate to the guy uh, who I talked to at the car dealership yesterday that said, I don't have a problem with Jesus. I just have a problem with the people that hang out at his house. I've got good news for you. You're in a very different place today. And I think you'll find a very different experience here at Calvary. Because here's what we are. We are real people who serve a real God in a real way. But it does start with making Jesus the center of my life. And, and, and right now, I, I, I have no doubt that right now you're even kind of sensing God kind of speaking to you as well. Not just me, but God kind of speaking to you as well, saying, look, it, 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 it's, it's time for you to, to make this decision, maybe for the first, for the first time, or, or maybe to, to come back to that. This is your moment. And, and it's, it's simple. And here's a, we're not going to ask you to join any club. We're not going to ask you to sign any forms. Something that you do right where you're at. God, I, I want to I do this. Now, if you need help with that, at the close of our service today, and we're getting ready to close, at the close of our service today, there, there are going to be some people that are going to come and they're going to they're stand across the front of this, this area. And they're here to answer any questions you have or if you have a need in your life, uh, a relationship need, um, a, a physical need, you need healing in your life, you need wisdom, you just want somebody to pray with you, to, to help you to begin this journey in making Jesus the center of your life, it'll, it'll only take a moment, and I guarantee it'll change your lifetime. So you, you, you don't want to miss out on that. But the, big, the big thing is this, is just even right now, right where you're at, saying, God, I'm, I'm tired of living in a world where I've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and where I'm worshiping and serving the created things rather than the Creator. It seems like the created things have control over my life. And it seems like the created things are what have the center of my focus. And God, I recognize that that's not working really well. And so God, what I want to do is I want to put you in the center of my life now. And I, and I, want, to, I want to do life from a God perspective. Because, at least on some level, I believe that that's a better option. I'm telling you, God will honor that. If you make that decision with Him, even today. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.